This episode of the Big Head Chats podcast on the On The Pine Sports Network is brought to you by Mulcahy & Co. Marketing. For all your marketing needs, Gav and the team have you covered. They do it all, including making our website. Check it out at www.onthepinesports.com.au. They also build online stores using Shopify. Throughout COVID, more and more businesses need to go online and Gav can help you do that. Check out their latest store at www.wardrobebythesea.com.au. If you need some help with your online presence, then get into contact with the team at www.mulkay.com.au slash marketing. Now I can actually provide a service for you through the podcast. So mention Big Head Chats while you're there and the guys will give you a free website report on your current website, which gives you an idea of how it is performing with SEO, page load and many other aspects. It also gives you recommendations for changes that can be made. So, uh, yeah, jump on it quick because I can finally give you something, listeners. But for now, let's jump into this week's episode. Let's go. What is up, everybody, and welcome back to Big Head Chats. And it's an AFL trade and free agency special this week on the podcast, and Melrose joins me. Melrose, welcome to the show, mate. And uh, what are your initial thoughts on what I think has been a pretty crazy fucking trade period? Uh, it's first, it's great to get a gig on Big Head Chats. Um, only the best in the business get on, so I'm honoured to to finally uh, get a gig. But um, no, in regards to the trade period, um, it's, it, was, it was a crazy finish. So um, I think we're all sort of going through the motions probably up until like three o'clock this afternoon and then it sort of really ramped up. So, um, yeah, I mean, it was a big finish, a few unexpected deals as well, a few stitch-ups in there. I don't know, if I was a Collingwood supporter right now, I'd be, be hating my life. But, uh, yeah. I was going to say and wait and see how long it took for us to get to Collingwood, but we may as well go there straight away because yeah, uh, it's – it's hard to it's hard to keep this in a professional manner, but Collingwood have had an all time fuck up in this in this yeah. period, and I my only excuse for them is that they must have some serious salary cap issues that they need to fix, and they just had to get rid of these guys for basically no return. Exactly, like it's it's sort of like they just had to get them out the door. Um, as Kane Corn said, it was it was like it was a garage sale, so. <laughs> Effectively, it was like they were moving house and they, they couldn't take all the furniture. So just sell it. Oh yeah, it's it's unbelievable. And we're gonna we're gonna dive into especially some of those trades because they are some of the bigger trades of the trade period. Um, so we'll dive into them a little bit later. But um, sort of first came off the rank, Marrows. There's there's been a lot of movement. Obviously, some from a lot earlier uh, in the in the period in the off season. But what are you, what are your your three biggest uh, signings or trades um, from this period? Um, I mean, like, do you mean instant impact next season or like yeah, just, overall? Just great it however you like yeah, it in terms yeah, okay. of, you know, impact on the field. Um, you know, maybe it was a sweet deal. They got sort of didn't pay much for what they got. Just however you yeah. want to frame it, man. I'm happy with whatever. Well, I think the Trelaw one's massive. Um, obviously that came through really late in the last minute or so, I think I read, um, but, yeah, I mean, he's going to come in and make an instant impact to an already stacked Bulldogs midfield. So um, that one stands out for me. And also the fact that the Dogs gave pretty much nothing up to get him. So it was a big 14. It was a future, so a future I'll, second I'll, round, yeah. I'll give you the – I'll give you the – this is this is fucked. Uh, Adam Trelaw, 26, 33, and 42 from Collingwood to the Dogs um, and the uh, for pick 14 and a future second. So um, – Basically, what it was was the the Bulldogs needed those stack of picks for the bid um, for their first pick next year. Um, so, yeah, that that I think that's the proof there that the Collingwood you know needed to to get rid of blokes, especially guys like Trelaw who want a fair bit of money. Well, obviously, yeah, like they're going to lose those picks to get. Um, obviously, Hugo Hagen. I think that's how you say yeah, it. Yeah, yeah, Hugo Hagen. That's what I was thinking. I'm sorry. So. Yeah, no, he's going to obviously likely be the number one pick or whoever bids on him is, is you know, they expect it to come in the top three. So the Bulldogs will match that and they need those picks. So they probably won't keep any of those picks. But, yeah, the fact that you can get, you know, Trelaw in plus the picks to be able to, to match the bid, like, 
yeah crazy Pretty, yeah it's it's unbelievable um we'll go so let's actually let's stick on the collingwood train because we may as well just get that out of the way and then we can leave the collingwood fans be and, and let them cry themselves to sleep tonight so um Jaden stevenson uh, and atu um and pick 39 from collingwood to north uh for pick 26 33 and a future fourth rounder so um look i mean i was watching the afternoon unfold um i guess the evening as well and it was almost like it was just getting from it was going from bad to worse from Colin. So it started off with the Stevenson and uh, I'm not even going to try and say his last name, but the R2 <laughs> trade. Um, yeah. But pretty much nothing. It was pretty much a packet of chips. So yeah, I, I I don't know what they traded in the end, but it was it was not much. So we were, we were talking before we came on the show tonight about why was R2 chucked in there. I'm not sure why. Why yeah. Uh, the, well, it, yeah, hang on. I've just got it up here now. So, yeah, 26-33 and a future fourth uh, yeah. for 39, R2 and Stevenson. Yeah. I mean, yeah. with Stevenson and pick 39, you're sort of going, yeah, okay. Like, he had a pretty average season, but, you know, it was only his second year in the league and his first year was crazy. So, yeah. Uh, I mean, to me, regardless, it's just a bad trade. And as we said, it's like it was uh, a garage sale and it was just furniture they didn't want, so... It's putting it nicely, I think. And you only got to look as far as Collingwood Twitter at the moment. It is exploding. So a few people that we know, um, especially a couple of people from uni, who rightly so have voiced their displeasure because while he hasn't had the year that he, you know, everyone expected him to have in 2020, as I've said all year, you've got to take everyone's form with a grain of salt because the hub life is just not for everyone. So while it might suit, you know, people at Richmond or Geelong and these teams that, you know, are experienced. It's not, it might not suit guys like Jaden Stevenson. I know it didn't suit guys like Brody Grundy who have a career and, and stuff outside of football and things to worry about outside of football. And they like to get away from football when they leave the club to be in the hub meant that they were around at 24 seven. So obviously guys like that didn't suit the hub lifestyle and their form showed that. So I think Stevenson and his management have talked about it um, during this season that he did struggle in the hub. So I think you've got to take his form with a grain of salt. But so you, you, you're shipping him away for absolute donuts and he's your best Very young much. player. Yeah, I mean, like, obviously his first season, 38 goals. Um, you know, it was he was arguably the best first-year player um, mm. 2019. So, yeah, I mean, I'm pretty sure he did say that um, if they're reading into his form from this year is what sort of player he is, um, mm. that's on them. Uh, yeah, it's spot on. And the the whole story coming out about Bucks and how they've dealt with it. So Stevenson was on um, Bob and Andy's show on SEN uh, this afternoon. And he said, I didn't hear anything from the club for about a week or so. So I thought I'd get on the front foot and call Bucks and say, hey, mate, is this true? And he pretty much just said to look for a trade and they'll facilitate it. And the key word missing there is he said to aggressively look for a trade and they would facilitate it. So... Um, I mean, it's taken, you know, a week and a bit for, uh, for Stevenson to call Bucks because but there's no contact. Does that, mm. does that tell you something about sort of the culture and how things are run? Down I mean, I, don't, I, I wouldn't say that, like, for, yeah, I don't know. I wouldn't, I'd say there's more to it. Um, mm. But, I mean, yeah, if, I, if I'm in Stevenson's shoes, I, I want to get out as soon as I can because yeah. if you're pretty much being told to aggressively look for a trade, that's we don't want you. So, um, I just yeah, if it's me, I'm I'm out as quick as I can. I mean, it is a business, and it's a it's a pretty harsh one at that. But I'd expect a phone call or a text because when the rumours come out, they they come out hard and they they spread like wildfire. That you know you're on the chopping block. So you'd want to you would want to call just to clear things up. So then if it is happening, at least you know. But um, as I was saying to uh, so the Collingwood fans are really annoyed and uh, housemate Jerv, a uh, Collingwood fan who showed me some Collingwood fan groups that he's in and they've, they've gained no fans from this and their current ones are pissed off. Um, I think, what do you think about, so culture I reckon in footy has so much to do with on-field performance and it's obviously a massive part of it. Richmond approved that. How much does this dint Collingwood's culture and then therefore affect their on-field next year? I mean, you look at Collingwood right now, going into last year, what, 2020, 
they were, in my opinion, like, you know, the top five side and probably the same with most people. But you look at them now and it's sort of, it's hard to see them finishing in the top six. Like, mm-hmm. I've got them right now sort of anywhere from, I said to you six to ten earlier, but, I mean, now you'd almost say, like, six to 12. Like, who knows mm-hmm. what they'll up next year just because, yeah, the culture seems like it's just taken a whack. It um, has. And, and um, they're such a proud club as well. You know, it's, you know, it's, if I'm a Collingwood supporter, I'd be furious. You only got to look far as back as round one, 2020, and the Magpies embarrassed the Bulldogs and played in a way that you thought they've clicked here. Um, you know, everyone's gelling together at the right time. The young guys are at a point now where they can sort of really start to take over and, and Penderbury and everyone doing the, their usual thing. And then, and then it sort of came crashing down in round two after the comeback from lockdown and had a draw with Richmond and was really low scoring. And then those struggles to score really continued on through the year. And then it's just continued in the off season and they've completely f- fallen apart. And I think the culture is going to take a huge whack and then they lose Tom Phillips to Hawthorne for pick 65. What the fuck? Yeah. I mean, That's my only reaction is what in the fuck? Is going on true i feel like for me i wasn't really sort of like shocked because it's hawthorne so they, hawthorne yeah. give up nothing for everyone they just yep. seem to get everyone through the door so um besides omira they've pretty much traded like a packet of chips for every player they brought in so yeah absolute steal but another one yeah, you sort of go like it started with the stevenson deal then phillips and then when the, la- the last minute they offload trelaw and you're going oh there would have been something good back surely and they've sort of just trucked off you know Everything. Yeah, Everything what, that in their draft hand is just gone. What, what it, so we had a message from one of our uh, pine on the pine uh, followers, one of your mates, who said that they've basically, when you look at it in its entirety, they've given, gotten rid of Phillips, Trelaw and Stevenson for pick 14. Is that basically it? Pretty much in the future second round. But like going into next year, yeah, it's, uh, it's not great. If I'm calling it, I'm looking at what, what are we going to get in the near future, nothing. Yep. nothing. Just offload three players. So pretty much what they've done, as I said, it's it's basically the garage though. They've is. just offloaded players to free up space. It's uh it's it's gonna be an interesting it's gonna be interesting to see what they say in the in the next few days because I'm assuming there's gonna have to be some comments made um, from Collingwood officials to sort of almost clear the air because there's definitely some fans that want answers and I'm probably assuming there's some players on their list that want some answers too because um, when you lose th- three of your starting 22, starting 18, you'd even say as well, um, in one off season for basically nothing in return, there's, there'd be some players on the list wondering what the hell is going on. Yeah. I mean, obviously like I'm looking at it again, it's just like, they've got, they got nothing. They've got nothing. Just literally got nothing. Like and, you pick 14, which is going to become like pick 18. So yeah. And then and even then, they, like. I don't know, for the amount of talent they lost, like Stevenson, Phillips, Trelaw, even R2, like a ton of potential. He only played a couple of games, I think, but so and we much. liked him. Oh, everyone liked him, honestly. Like he, he was a, he came in and made an impact. Um, and we've seen, you know, I can't remember what year it was, but Trelaw, I mean, Phillips had a very good year. That's oh, that 2018 year, I reckon, yeah. the same year as Stevenson, uh, his first year. It was a um, breakout year, yeah. Breakout year, and that's obviously that year they made the grand final and should have should have beaten West Coast, really. Um, and then to um, think that two years later he's out the door. And the whole Trelaw thing's just sort of weird, in my opinion. Like he pretty much, you know, everyone's saying, "I oh, know you're moving out with your with your wife to Queensland," and he was like, "No, nah, I'm staying at Collingwood. Collingwood's where I want to be. I love this club." Next thing you know, he's gone. For it, so. Let's take a trip down memory lane really quick. So the rumours, well, not the rumours, but the news comes out that his wife has signed um, for the Queensland Firebirds. That's off the top of my head. Um, in the Super Netball. And then the rumours come out, oh, okay, is he going to go uh, and live with his wife there during their season? Obviously, the season's clash for a large portion. Um and then he's adamant that night on 360 that he's not going anywhere and he's contracted and they've worked it out as a family and, you know, as you do. And then it's two days later, Colin was saying, nah, we want you out now. It's an amazing storyline. Like, it's, it went from something that I thought, why are we even talking about this? 
when he's when the news broke that his wife had signed in Queensland to all of a sudden, okay, he's definitely going. Yeah, I, I looked at it and I was like, look, it's either Collingwood or he goes to one of the Queensland sides. And obviously Brisbane straight away said, no, we can't afford him. Uh, and Gold Coast were like, oh, the door's open. But he quickly shut it down saying, no, I'm staying at Collingwood. Mm. And then obviously the interest from the Suns dried, dried out and then Collingwood pretty much like, we don't want you. So... It was a weird sort of situation because it all unfolded like within, I don't know, a week or two that he went from, I love this club to, no, you're out. <laughs> Amazing turn of events. And yeah, I think my closing statement from Collingwood is that it's going to dent their culture badly. And I think it's going to affect their on-field performance badly. Um, and, you know, I think as soon as their performance starts to dwindle next year, the fan the fan, uh, I don't know, hatred and, and so that, yeah, it's going to drop quickly and they're going to want some answers on, on what went down this off season. So um, crazy for Collingwood. Um, who were who the other ones that you, that you liked? Who had the, the biggest impact on the trade period? Um, give, give us two other, two other player movements that you liked. Uh, well, stick to trades first. Uh, Jesse Hogan going to GWS for a third round pick. Obviously, it's a bit of a gamble, but they've given up pretty much nothing. Mm. Um, and obviously, Hogan, we know how good he can be if he gets himself right. So, uh, the fact they've lost Cameron, uh, they've got the pieces to rebuild that fourth line, obviously, with um, Himmelberg, Finlayson. Um, is it Riccardi? Yes, Riccardi. Riccardi and then Hogan as well. So they're saying there's there's some rumours that Hogan may go into defence. I did hear um, that. See with Phil Davis, I think he's 29 now, so getting on a bit. Um, so yeah, regardless, he's got the he's got the potential. I know as a junior, Hogan was a gun defender. So um, I love I love how everyone made a big fuss about oh how they you know giving him up for nothing and whatever as if thinking that he's still the Jesse Hogan that we remember from Melbourne. He's yeah. like, he's worth a third round pick now. So he, they got the compensation back that they would have expected. And so I'm not sure what the big fuss was about in terms of the pick back, because he is a shadow of what he was at Melbourne and the pick reflects that. And it's a gamble, as everyone said, it's a gamble for, um, you know, the Giants to take, to take him, take him on. Yeah. It's, it's a gamble, but, um, at the same time, it's sort of, I mean, to, to me, I, I feel, yeah, it's, it's definitely worth taking, but to get him away from WA, I think that's sort of been a bit of a distraction. Um, get him to a, a state like New South Wales where AFL is sort of on the up, but, um, you know, it's not like he'll walk down the street and someone goes, that's Jesse Hogan. So I think for him, that's a, that's a big thing as well. And I can't imagine there's heaps going on out in Greater Western Sydney. As no, in social stuff. Be. I don't, no. can't imagine this. I don't think he would walk down the street in Sydney and people wouldn't know who he is. Yeah. So. Which is what some blokes need and which is why a lot of those, you know, you, you'd know as a Sydney fan, those key forwards flourish up there because uh, the scrutiny just isn't quite as high. Yeah, I mean, you guys like Buddy and stuff, I mean, they still get noticed. But, um, yeah, I mean, if someone like a, a Lance Franklin was to walk down a a street in Sydney compared to if he used to walk down Chapel Street. Um, it's a fair difference. So, yeah, I mean, definitely I'm keen to see how Hogan goes and uh, hopefully for him he can get his career back on track. What about a, a last one, Maros, that gives you your third best um, trade? Um, I mean, I'll yeah. stay away from Collingwood because I'd probably say the Stevenson one has to be in there. Yeah, yeah. Even the Tom Phillips for 65. I think all the Collingwood deals... This Bunch um, into one. We're, we're great, yeah. Besides what kind <laughs> of the other team. Yeah. Um, There's some good ones. There are some good ones. I'm having a quick look now. Um, <laughs> it's hard because there, there are a few. Um, yeah, I mean, potentially, as you said, Peter Wright. Um, I, yeah, okay. Let's, let's go here for a second because I think a fourth-round pick is – Disrespectful to Peter Wright, who I know he hasn't he didn't play at all this year, um, behind Sam Day, um and Ben King. Is it Ben? Always always getting mixed up which one's playing at which. Um so yeah, behind those two and and he, you know, couldn't break in, but at a 
when when Gold Coast were at their absolute worst and he was their their key forward, um, he provided a lot and you know actually took some marks and created contests and kicked goals in a team that it was hard to do those things in. So um, I think Essendon got a really good one there. Replaced Joe Danaher with a you know another two hundred centimeter uh, key forward, um, younger who's starved for opportunities. And so he's going to come in, you know, really energetic and really willing to work hard. So I think they got a good one for a fourth round pick. That's, you know, that's nothing. So I think the Peter Wright deal is, um, is a good one. Yeah. I mean, I think he's probably worth a fourth when you look at last year, mm. uh, well this year, the fact that he didn't play at all. Um, so you can't be asking for too much. Um, no. I mean, he has played, he's been inconsistent, but he's definitely got the potential, as you said. Um, I'm, a bit, I'm a bit surprised at Gold Coast because Sam Day isn't going to be around forever um, and he's had injury problems his whole career. Um, so I was surprised that they were so happy to get rid of him for so little. The fourth I think is what I think, you know, of his form is, is what he's worth. But I'm surprised that the Gold Coast was so happy to shop him straight away. I think with Sam Day, probably in there just for the extra experience since Ben King's so raw. Yeah. Um, and I don't think Wright really has the same. So I know Day hasn't been a star, um, but Wright's sort of been consistent in his own sense. And probably, to me, it's probably too top-heavy to have those two guys in the same forward line, Wright and King. They're both probably too big. Yeah. I think Day's a little bit more versatile. Yep. Um, if Day goes down, though, that's... Oh. That's panic stations for Gold Coast. Yeah, yeah. Um, and then one more I'll give you. This wasn't in the same trade, but effectively Sydney's given up a Lear and got back Hickey in 34. You like so that? So to me, like that's it, a great take. deal. You'd I like, like it, yeah. A lot of people have criticised the Swans saying, you know, you're giving up a Lear for, for nothing, but they use that future second round from Port to send to West Coast. Yep. in order to get Hickey and then also thrown in 34 as well. So as a Sydney supporter, you feel that need of having another, like we needed more rucks. We've been very depleted in the ruck department the last couple of years. So we add Hickey in there. It doesn't really matter how good he is, but it just means we've got someone there to help yep. Callum Sinclair while Naismith's injured. And then you had him pick 34 as well. Yeah, I think he, he just, he provides enough short-term um, help where you can just, Get through with him. He's not going to be your ruckman in your next premiership side, but he's at least enough to just cover cover your ass for the next couple of years while you, you know, either draft and a young ruckman or you, you know, you look for someone else um, down the line in trade period. So I do like that for the Swans. Uh, I mean, like I've sort of I've said it all along. Like with Alier, I like him as a player. Like would happily have kept him, but at the same time, if he goes well. Yeah, in my opinion, he's not going to make or break a premiership. Um, I like what you were saying to me the other day. You didn't mind either way because he's one of those guys where you know he he's dropped two or three times during the year, but then everyone kicks up a fuss when he is traded. It's it's he's yeah. obviously not in favour, and he obviously wasn't in good form. So you can't be too angry about losing him when he wasn't playing. Well, I think yeah, what a lot of people don't realise is. His breakout year in 2016 was when there was no 6-6, no 6 So um, he was able to roam that back line with the likes of Ted Richards, Grundy, McVeigh, Smith, Jake Lloyd even. Um, and he could just pretty much be that third man up and he could just attack the ball out of defence. And I think, the, yeah, since then, it's really sort of happened his game to the point now where Last two years, there's been a few times where he's been in the ruck, he's been forward, mm. he's been down back, he's been dropped. It's sort of like the Swans don't really know what to do with him. And that's why he's he's going to probably go to Port Adelaide and, uh, and play well and Sydney fans will no doubt say, why are we giving him up? But it's because he's going to a back line where he's got Jonas, Burn Jones, um, Cleary, you know, Trent McKenzie, all those guys that are just defenders they don't there's no runoff and 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 help the others Jonas has a little bit but they're locked down defenders so Lee's gonna have that freedom to just run and intercept and be that sort of I'm thinking Richmond Nick Vloston Dylan Grimes type where they can just go and help um with a third man up so that's where he's gonna he'll look like he's probably playing a lot better but as he said he's playing that role that you mentioned um from 2016 in his breakout year yeah I think like 
he was given the uh, the responsibility to play on a number of big forwards, mm. and you know he's definitely got the size to compete. But I think one on one is not something that's a strength of his game. Like it's it's he's more he needs to be as I said that third guy up, and then um, Port Adelaide seemed to you know have that that place for him. All right, Melrose uh, winners. Uh, and losers, and I'm going to throw in a couple of can't decides as well because there's a few teams uh, that are sort of um, a bit iffy throughout this whole free agency and trade period. So we'll start with the winners. We'll start with the good news. So my winners for the the entire period were St Kilda, Carlton, Melbourne, uh, the Bulldogs, and Geelong. Uh, I think I'm assuming you're agreeing with me on, on those five. Yeah, I mean, just looking at it now, um, yeah, you probably have to say pretty much the same. Um, probably Brisbane as well. Even you throw them in, they get down ahead for pretty much nothing. Yeah, so I'm going to – we'll discuss them in a second. Brisbane were my can't decide because while they get in down ahead and Cockatoo, you're getting in two blokes with multiple years' worth of injuries and ongoing injury concerns with the same injury. So – um, you get them both up and firing and Brisbane are going to win the premiership next year, but you, you lose one of them or two of them uh, to injuries and, you know, it, the deal doesn't look as good, I don't think. Yeah, no, for sure. I um, Yeah, I'd even throw Port Adelaide in there almost as well. Pretty much they get a Lear and they mm. get Tasia for pretty much, you know, a few draft yeah. to give up any players. Um but yeah. So for St Kilda, so St Kilda get uh, McKernan, Brad Crouch, um, Jack Higgins. I think that's it. I'm not missing anyone. Um, lose Nick. They got McKernan as well. Yeah, I mentioned him. Yeah, um, they lose Nick Hines, who I really like. But with their with getting Jack Higgins in and and the way that their forward line shaping up, there's just not a spot for him. So they get that midfield depth that they've needed getting Brad Crouch in. Um, to help Jack Steele. <clears throat> Excuse me. So um, that no doubt takes them to another level and, and, you know, pushes them into that top four consideration, I think, um, you know, with their forward line gelling for another year and, and you know, Dougal Howard and those guys fitting in down back. I think they're in a really good spot to, to push for the top four now. Yeah, I think like St Kilda obviously have... Even like the rumors of Frawley, they're trying to get him obviously out of mm. retirement as well. So uh, it seems as though, yeah, they've sort of pressed the button and gone, okay, we're going for it now. Like we're not, we're not going to have another year of, you know, we're, we're learning and we're going to sort of make the finals. That's how it sort of seems like they, they want the premiership next year. Yeah. Yeah. But they're going to go for it. It's not, you know, make the finals. That's a pass. It's, you know, let's go deep into the finals. Top four and, and which I like and, you know, a club like St Kilda needs to to take these sort of plunges into free agency and, and trades, I think, because overall as a club and its history, that you know, it's not great. So I liked what they're doing. They're on the attack and I like it. Um, speaking of on the attack, Carlton have – I'm not going to get you started on Williams. We might talk about him a little bit, but they've paid some serious overs to to get a couple of blokes into the club, but it, do, it does fill holes for what they're missing. Um, they get – so they get Zach Williams in, uh, Adam Saad, and Lockie Fogarty from Geelong, who was a nice little addition there who, you know, that sort of came from nowhere a little bit getting him in. But he's someone that's really going to help them uh, in the midfield and add to that depth with, um, you know, the ability to play inside and outside, which is something that they've lacked um, and that they get through Fogarty and Williams, I think. So how do you grade their little off-season there, Marrows? Yeah, they've recruited well, but... Um... You know, they've got to put it together. Obviously, Saad's a big addition. Uh, Williams is a great addition as well. I like guys like Fogarty as well coming in there. I reckon he's going to be a steal for them. Absolute uh, steal, I think. He showed some great signs at Geelong. Obviously, just didn't get an opportunity because of that, you know, massive midfield they've got. Um, yeah, I don't know. Like, the hard thing is with a guy like Williams is he's got the talent, but he's had his injuries in the past. And mm. I feel like... He's going to be one of those guys where because he's on so much coin, it's going to be each game is going to be assessed real yep. harshly. It's going to be, really if harsh. he doesn't dominate it or play really well, it's going to be, okay, that's not worth the money. Okay, so you need a, so I'll, 
first off, so he's he's rumored to have signed for about nine hundred a year. So my initial thoughts were he's probably worth five hundred. You're going to have to pay overs to get him out of the club, so you'd probably pay seven. They've ended up paying nine, which is way overs, and everyone's in agreement with that. So what you need to hope, I think, with someone like Williams is that he he doesn't read into the media too much and he can block that stuff out because if you read into it too much and let it, I don't know, get you down, it's just going to affect his on-field performance more. But if you can, if you're able to hold it out and and just focus on playing, I think the form will eventually come. But it's a big if there because not many guys can shut it out. When your yeah, name's I mean, constantly in the media, it, it's tough to shut that stuff out, I think. He's going to be under a ton of pressure. So it's a big test for him like mentally as well because he's going to have that in the back of his mind. I'll have to play well. Um, you know, this club's given me a lot. Um, so I've got to perform. Yep, absolutely. Um, Melbourne, only the, the reason I put him in a winners is because they picked up Ben, ben Brown. Um, Pick 28 and a future fourth and giving up pick 26 to pick 33 and a future fourth. So, um, I mean, they're able to get a, a good pick back and Brown, um, obviously a key forward, which is what they really need to help Wiedemann. So I think the D's, yeah, that puts him in a good spot. Um, I mean, you look at the team on paper, their back line's really settled. Some, two great key backs and some really good attacking halfbackers. Um, I mean, their midfield should be a lot better than it is in terms of production. Um, Ed Langdon on the wing as well is really, really good. And now a forward line with two legitimate key forwards um, and some some decent guys around them. So, I mean, there's some pressure on Melbourne next year to definitely be making finals at the absolute minimum. They're going to play finals. I think they will. Um, they really lack that sort of key forward that they can trust. Um, they've tried it with Wiedemann. They've tried it with McDonald. I think Wiedemann's still a, obviously got a ton of potential, but um, yeah, I think he'll, he'll love having Ben Brown down there as well. It just takes the pressure off him as a young player. I think he's going to be the perfect second option. That's oh, for sure. I think his career will flourish as a second option and Brown obviously helps that, no doubt. I think the only thing with Brown though is he's a sort of player that he loves it on the league. Yeah. I know that Melbourne had their troubles with their kicking efficiency in the past. So I'm glad you mentioned that because... He, he needs, needs it. He on, needs it. He needs it here. He needs it. Yeah. In front. Um, on a plate in front of him. I think. <laughs> well, well, he does because, and that's what North wouldn't do. And yeah. I think you wrote about it during the year when you got a midfield that can't hit the target inside fifty. Um, of course, he's not going to play well. So. Yeah. Exactly. Um, so. That's the big test for Melbourne. They've got a, and I think they can definitely do it. They've got the potential. They've got the guys there. They've got you know a pretty strong midfield, but. They've got to get it together on game day. And, and as I said, you know, get it through the midfield and hit targets inside 50. So I think 2020, they obviously got um, their fitness under control and, and re- really smashed um, with their fitness in the preseason. Now I reckon it's keep that base and then smash the skills. Just have Clayton Oliver, Jack Viney, Petrarca, Brayshaw just kicking hundreds of footies a day and just under pressure, trying out all, this situ- all these different scenarios because... I mean, it's what it's what needs working. It's it's what's going to win them games because there is games during the year where it was simply skills that put them behind the eight ball in these games, and they lost close ones and ended up missing the finals by not much. Yeah, I mean they were so close, but in a way, I don't think they deserved it because yeah, no, you're right. They've got all all these guys and all this talent, and to miss the eight ball, you know, they only let themselves down. I remember that. You know, there was, I think they had, they had to beat Sydney and Fremantle yeah. up in Cairns. Lost both. GWS and someone else. But they banked in Sydney and Fremantle as wins. Like before it even got there, like, oh, no, we'll make the finals now. We're home. Every Melbourne supporter and their dog is, you know, lock them into playing finals. And I'm like, well, you know, you've got to realise this is Melbourne, guys. Like, you've got to remember, like, you don't have a great, you know, recent history of, you know, being consistent. And yep. funnily enough, they lose to Sydney in front of <laughs> <laughs> oh, It was a pretty Melbourne end of the year, wasn't it? I mean... Oh, mate, it, it was the, the cheese platters were going flying. Like the, the wine and the grapes is being sent off. The Catman like, dude jackets were, are being ripped off and ripped really, in half. They were really off. spitting out the brie and sort of looking straight to... Uh, I mean, they couldn't get to Hotham either. <laughs> and they couldn't take up there, so... 
They were stuck in Melbourne, locked inside, uh, and yeah, still couldn't make the eight. Yeah, yeah. I love that. I love that. Um, now, the two probably the biggest winners of the trade period um, in terms of star power were the Bulldogs and Geelong. So um, Geelong end up getting Jeremy Cameron. Uh, they give up three first-round picks um, with a couple of second-round picks, future second-round picks, um, throwing back in the deal, back to the Cats. So they get their man and, you know, three first-round picks is – I mean, I was always of the – you know, belief they need to get a player back to the Giants to at least give them some on-field help now. But, you know, three first picks is going to have to do. So they get, you know, the Cats get their man. Um, and with Isaac Smith and Sean Higgins also making their way down there, it's a pretty handy lineup for the Cats next year. Like, I think it was, I can't remember who said it. Someone said that they're probably not going to be uh, premiership favourites next year. But it is the year, like, Next year is their year. They don't win it next year. Who's going to be premiership favourites going into the year then? Well, I don't know. They said, I, I think like they were saying Richmond again, obviously. Um, I mean, but, I'm, a, I'm as diehard Richmond as you can get. And I don't even think we're premiership favourites against that team. For sure. Uh, but yeah, regardless, like ne- next year is the, this is it in my opinion. You've probably got, Dangerfield's probably got a couple of good years left, but your Selwoods and your, Hawkins and you know those type of guys to me this is probably you know next year is probably going to be where we see them you know have their last good year I think after that there's no reason they can't play on but yeah they're sort of at that age where you know next year's it it's the same with you know Isaac Smith and Sean Higgins and you know they've brought in these older players um and yeah if they don't get it right next year then, you know, it's going to be a, a difficult future because yeah. they don't really have any picks in this draft and they gave up a couple of future picks as well, I think. so. Yeah, so they, so they gave up their three first-rounders this year and a future fourth. And so now I don't think they're picking until the 50s in this draft to start with. Um, it's one of those things where it'll be looked back on. If they win the flag, it's, it's a success. But if they yeah. don't win the flag, we're always going to be seeing, you know, what they traded out, what they got in. And the result. Yeah. So, I mean, I hope at Geelong they can get it right. That was so close this year. But, you know, they add in these pieces and suddenly they're a, a very, very good team. The, so, I like the Cameron uh, and Higgins signing. They basically get a Gary Ablett replacement who um, is a bit younger and will, it will be an upgrade on the Ablett that we had seen the last couple of years. Uh, and can, you know, Higgins can go into the midfield a bit more um, and be really effective. The Isaac Smith one, I don't quite get though because... I feel like the wings were the two positions the Cats had nailed the most this year. They had Mitch Duncan and Sam Menegola. Menegola should have made the All-Australian team and, um, you know, Duncan had a really good year again. So I'm not sure they're going to put Duncan through the middle um, because obviously Danger's going to play more midfield time now because Cameron's forward, so they don't have that need to put Danger forward as much anymore. Um, Menegola basically has to play on a wing. So it's interesting what they're going to do. I mean, you love to have all those options. You do. It's a great problem to have, but it's a, you know, can you put a Mitch Duncan to a halfback or an Isaac Smith to a halfback? I don't think you can because I don't think either of them can defend one-on-one. But oh, yeah. they're, they're offensive players and that's fine. But, you know, that's why they're good on the wing because they get forward and are dangerous. But I'm not sure you can trust either of them at halfback, but they're going to have to put them somewhere. Well, I would say that, yeah, Isaac Smith will be a lock to play on the wing. Um, yeah. And it'll probably be Manigala on the other wing. But then, yeah, I mean, Duncan, whether he goes to, to half forward or half back, but I would expect Dangerfield to play more time up forward. Um, to me, that's where he's most dangerous, especially now in the sort of latter part of his career. But Really? Even with Cameron? I reckon, he's, I reckon well, he, yes, he's great in the middle, but he can break a game when he's up forward. We've seen, you know, what he can do when he goes forward. Geelong often, they throw him up there when they're in the trenches, when they're struggling, um, and he pulls them out. So... I think I think Danger's going to play more midfield time now, though, because the grand final proved that they need him in there, um, especially when they're struggling. And now that they've got Cameron and the luxury to have two key forwards, they're just not going to have to put him forward anymore. So that's more. I think he's going to play more midfield time. Yeah, I mean, obviously with Cameron coming in, you're probably right that you probably will see him up in the middle of the ground a lot more. But, um, but but then it also it also means that there's probably a good chance they're going to get on top of more teams more often which then means that they can put him forward if they want because that's when he's most dangerous there is when they're on top and he's getting the service. 
um, into the Ford 50. Do you think uh, the Cameron and Hawkins dynamic, along with like a Rowan um, and Dangerfield when he goes down there to rest, mm-hmm. um, suddenly you just don't want it to become too crowded? Um, no, I mean, if you play. Because I think, I think Cameron gets up the ground a bit. I was going to say, I like Cameron's up the ground. He's a runner, great tank, um, you know, and then can get get back quick and, and, you know, get past his opponent and sort of hurt him on the way back. And Hawkins can – that just means Hawkins can just stay deep and, and be that classic full forward. Um, so I think I think it'll work. And then it just means that, um, you know, if Cameron's up the ground, it can, it can sort of be that wheel and go then and just hit, get it forward quickly, which is when Geelong are most dangerous because – get it quickly forward to, to Hawkins. You know that target's there. Hawkins doesn't have to worry about coming up the ground as much. Then it means that Rowan, Grian, Myers, Higgins are just downhill, um, you know, hurting the hurting the defence on the way back. And that's when the Cats were the, the most dangerous in 2020. As soon as they got stagnant was when they struggled. So I think with Cameron getting up the ground and being able to just wheel and go and then, you know, just put it in Hawkins' general direction means that the, you know, the four line should be a bit more freer, really. But then yeah. footy, footy's never that perfect either. So there's going to be some issues along the way. That's what I was going to say. Like, it's it's one of those things where on paper, they'd probably be the best team in the league right now. But you've got to be able to put it all together. And, you know, hopefully for them, they do. But we've seen a number of times in sport where, you know, teams have just stacked their, their list with, you know, stars and just hasn't worked. So speaking of stacked, the Bulldogs midfield is one of the best midfields I've ever seen. It's that's, pretty that's, crazy, but it's, it's back to that same thing. It is back to that same thing. Yeah. They've got to get it right. They've got to find a balance. Um, and, you know, a lot of the time we see that the teams on paper aren't usually the best sides. It's usually the teams that obviously look at Richmond, you know, that on paper they may not have, you know, the most A-grade talent, but it's the system and it's the yeah. way they're coached and, you know, the balance they have and the way they play as a, as a group that uh, has got them the success they've, they've achieved. Well, how many people knew who Liam Baker, Jaden Short, well, um, Noah Bolter, all these people were until they became premiership players? I mean, no one knew who they were. So you're right. But so the doggies now have got Bonds and Pally, McRae, Dunkley, Trelaw, Liberatore, Bailey Smith as pure midfielders. And then you've got, you know, a Lockie Hunter out in the wing as well. Am I missing anyone? That's seven. Well, you'd say Mitch Wallace, but he seems to be out of the goal square now. He was a mid-year as well. Yeah, so, I mean, um, they've got a serious amount of talent that they can run through there. Um, it's good. It's fun to, it's fun to pick who their starting midfield is going to be. I would probably lean towards a Bontempelli, McRae, Trelaw starting midfield. And you'd have a Dunkley and a Liberatore sort of roll through there. Keep Bailey Smith forward. Um then it also means that you can probably put Bontempelli forward a bit more, having that depth with um, uh, Dunkley and Libertore rolling through there. So you've got that depth there where you can probably free up Bontempelli and put him forward and um, try and get him to hit the scoreboard a bit more as well, which is a nice um, little thing to have in the back pocket. I think much like it's much like Geelong, it's going to be a, um, it's a selection headache. Um, to have. You want to have it, yeah. I mean, if anyone breaks down, you know, they've got some serious backup there. It's not as if, you know, it's it's definitely not a thin midfield. So um, it'll be interesting to see how they set up. Um, I mean, you've also got they held on to Dunkley as well, so that's another one. Yeah. Uh, so I think it'll be interesting to see whether anyone else plays like a similar role or like what Wallace has done going forward. So I don't know if any of these midfielders adjust and move into different positions, but... Yeah, it'd be interesting and, to see. What and the other two we, we forgot about there for the dogs as well, Stephen Martin comes in um, the line. So um, I like the I like the the get from with Stephen Martin. It wasn't something that I saw coming. But so Tim English, who I really like as well, he's just skinny at the moment and young. So that he's going to mature at, at his own rate. That's how Ruckman works. So you get Stephen Martin in, who's just that, you know, surefire short-term help that is going to be able to play a lot of games and a lot of game time when he does play and be really effective as well. So um, that gives, you know, their elite midfield at least first use for the most part. Um, and they also get Mitch Hannon from Melbourne. So um, 
He's a nice little half forward who plays a really good role, I think. And he's one of those guys that, like we said with Liam Baker, Jaden Short, who's just going to play a role and play it well, which is all they need. They don't need anything special from him. They just need that sort of Sam Lloyd type who can hit the scoreboard here and there and, and put some pressure on. And um, that's all they need, I think. I think, yeah, I mean, you know, they're definitely one of the winners of the, of the trade period for sure. Um, yeah, I mean, it's, it's such a long on paper there. They look great, but it really comes down to, to if they can put it all together. All right, let's go to the losers. And we both have the same two. So the Giants and Collingwood have seriously fucked this trade period. Like bad. Collingwood, in particular, like, I mean, I'm not going to go back there again, but I just, it's literally was a garage sale. Like, I don't know how you could be so dumb. Like, um, there's some smart boys and, and girls running these clubs. Yep. And I don't know what was going uh, to today. It was just like they're, offload them all. They've been in hubs or lockdown for too long, I think. The brains haven't been switched on enough and haven't been rolling. And uh, the off season shown it. I mean, yeah, the Giants had a serious exodus. So, you know, you lose Williams and Aiden Core um, as restricted free agents. And then, I mean, you get Jesse Hogan as well, who's a, who's a nice gamble to take, but there's no sure thing there. Um, you lose Jai Caldwell. Uh, am I missing anyone there? I don't think I am. Uh, the um, big one for me, though, is, is Caldwell. I mean, he's probably, like, 29 is probably, like, a second-round pick is probably fair. But I just... So, so he's he was a top ten pick, and he's I think he just finished his second year, and they demanded they said straight away we are demanding a, a top ten pick. That's um, we're not budging on that, which I like because you have no reason to budge on it. I know he wants he says he wants to leave, but he's in his second year, so you have every right to say you are not going anywhere if we don't get the right compensation back for it, mm. and instead. They've given up pick 44 and 74 along with Caldwell and gotten back 29 in a future second. Yeah, that is, I mean, that's, at, at, what has gone on? How have you gone from a top 10 pick to a 29 and a future second? I think that's the future second, view. yeah. Looking at Essendon though, next, it is Essendon's pick, isn't it? Like the, the future second, it's not tied to anyone else. Pretty sure it's just Essendon's, yeah. So... Look, I, I can't see Essendon finishing top 10 next season. So it's going to be around the sort of 25, or you'd say anywhere from, I don't think they'll be on the bottom of the ladder, but it'll be sort of that 20 to 27 range, I think. So, yeah. um, I mean, pretty much it's effectively two sort of mid-second round picks, mm-hmm. um, which is probably about right. But if Caldwell, Caldwell becomes a player that GWS think he's going to become and the rest of the competition think he thinks he's going to become then you sort of go well it should have been i just my whole thing with trade period is especially with someone like a Caldwell, you have no reason to fold their giants like there's no reason for you 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 can you just say flat out if and they did say they said we want top 10 pick and that's the absolute minimum mm. and why would you fold it there's just no reason to to you say to Think out to Essen and sorry, this is what yeah, you're giving us, or there's no deal. So I'm not sure. I know they, you know, they get an extra pick and it's going to be a better one because Essen, you know, probably won't be very good next year. But um, it's yeah, it's a, it's not great when you're mo- losing players like Aiden Core and and Zach Williams and even Zach Langdon to West Coast who I Wasn't didn't mind as well. As well. Third as well. pick, so. third round pick. Um, and then yeah, so the Giants are in a, a in a tough spot. Got some got some picks, but I mean for the on field next year, um, it, the the talent pool that they had to begin their existence, and then in the following years, is getting skinnier by the year. Yeah, it's it's interesting. A lot of people are sort of speculating how good will they be next year, mm. um, especially after this year. Miss they went from a grand final where they got smashed. Obviously, missing the finals this year, and it's almost one of those things where people have compared them to Port Adelaide when they got smashed by Geelong in 2007. Yep. It's sort of like a loss like that can just take the soul out of a club, and you know you hope for the for the Giants that that's not the case. But you know, unless they improve next year, you sort of start to ask the question. Well, you saw it with Adelaide too in 2017. Yeah, their response too, yeah. in 2018 yeah. was very similar to the Giants in terms of. You know, around the mark, but just not quite 
there finals wise and then all of a sudden it gets to this year and they're where Adelaide ended up. So I mean I don't see the Giants folding as much as they did as Adelaide did, but I there's a very strong chance that I don't see them playing finals next year. I just don't know. Um when you it's hard someone, to know where to put them. You know, you look yeah. at it, I mean for me when I did my report card on them, I had them sort of five to ten. But you don't know, it's a real sort of testament to their culture. Um the fact that a number of players have, have wanted out. Um, and yeah, the fact they lose Cameron, it changes the whole forward dynamic. So it'll be interesting to see how they set up, whether it's Hogan becomes the key target or they sort of go with that hybrid sort of Himmelberg, Finn Lason, Riccardi, and even throw Hogan back in there as well. Yeah. I, I mean, they, they do have the, the stock up forward to, you know, with the, with the right system, be able to, you know, fill the Cameron void. So, but that's probably been their biggest issue, especially this year, was their system wasn't good enough. So um, that'll be a fun team to watch. Um, I don't, I see, I see a, I see a world where they don't play finals, but I'll have to wait and see. Um, but Melrose, it's been a, this has been one of the most entertaining trade periods in my memory, for sure. There's never been so many times where like a player has been, I've never seen so much in the AFL, a player be told, we are going to trade you just because we want to. That doesn't happen as much in the, you know, you see it in the NBA and you know, NFL all the time, but it doesn't seem to happen as much in the AFL. So it's, when it happens like this, especially with sort of Stevenson and, um, and Trelaw, it's, it's weird. It's odd. I like it. It's yeah. Cool. I mean, it, it makes for entertaining viewing for us yeah. for sure, but it's, um, yeah, it's, it's definitely different to what we're used to. I like it, but yeah, as you said, like it's um, you know, probably not great for a guy like Stevenson who, who wants to be in a club and then is told mm. to aggressively look for a new home. You sort of, I mean, you know, you've just played two years of footy, like you haven't been around a while. And um, yeah, but no, it was, a, it was a big finish. So we love that. Love them all rushing at the end. That's what we like to see. Keeps us entertained and yeah, mixes it up a bit. It does, it does. Um, and now we get to look forward to much of the same happening in the NBA in a couple of weeks' time. So might do something similar to this little pod here, Maros, I reckon, um, for the NBA. Because I'm sure there's going to be just as much fun information and fun uh, player movement in the NBA as there was in the AFL. So, uh, mate, thanks for joining us tonight to discuss all the, all the movement. It's been good fun. And uh, we shall talk to you soon. Hopefully when the On The Pine pod is back and going because that's, that's the next plan in, our, in the works, isn't it? Yeah, hopefully uh, On The Pine comes back in the next couple of weeks. Um, so, yeah, but always an honour to jump on Big Head Chats. Only the finest, mate. Only the, the finest day invited on. So thanks for joining us, mate. We'll chat soon. Always. Cheers, mate.